0: Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 25th episode, the Jean Eric Verne episode, and I'm back after the Dutch Grand Prix. And guys, I have this race fresh in my mind. I just got back from a baseball trip in Cleveland and Pittsburgh and had to watch Quali in the race when I got home. Um, and because I'm behind and we have a lot of off track news as well, this week will be a two episode special um so that is exciting we have a lot of silly season news to go over so i'll be releasing that episode on thursday um but yeah let's let's finish this one and dive into this dutch grand prix it's lights out and away we go so uh big story heading into the weekend i've been i've been doing these for the past few race reviews and i have to say i wouldn't say there's a huge story going into the weekend besides of course it's verstappen's home race in the midst of a dominant season he just came off and probably one of his best wins of his career in uh belgium and on paper this shouldn't tra- uh there shouldn't be a track that suits the red bull super well um but i still think that people see him as undoubtedly the favorite to win the race going into practice though fp one the champs car breaks down and is well up the pace in fb2 probably rb's worst friday of the season while Mercedes has their best, probably, Friday of the season, going 1-2 in the early session and then slotting just behind the Ferraris in FP2, they looked like they were going to be very competitive here. So when Quali came around, it was honestly wide open for pole. Nobody knew who would be starting in P1, whether it be Max, one of the Ferraris, or even the Mercedes. Max got out to a great start in Q1, going fastest ahead of Lewis Hamilton. It was clear that Red Bull had made a impressive turnaround to be ready for Saturday, and um, And I would say for surprise exits, we had Bottas, who lost out to his teammate again after so many qualifying sessions of never getting limited in Q1. He does it two times in a row. And then Ricardo, who actually showed some decent form in practice. Um, Unfortunately, he was out in Q1. Just more bad looks for him. But moving on, Q2 was then led by Carlos Sainz ahead of George Russell proving that it really was anyone's session for pole. And perhaps even more surprising in Q2 was the double elimination of the Alpines, Ocon and Alonso. Definitely not their day in quali. Um, and then Q3, of course, all eyes are up front. Shout out to Yuki Tsunoda, Mick Schumacher, and Lance Stroll on making Q3. I wouldn't call them uh, regulars uh, into in quali this far into it. Um, Mick Schumacher, I think that's just his like what third Q3 appearance. Yuki Tsunoda out qualifying. Gasly. Lance Stroll having a very impressive weekend. While Sebastian Vettel honestly had a pretty bad one. But yeah, all eyes are up front, of course, on this qualifying shootout that everyone is looking forward to watching. Um, And after the first run, Charles Leclerc actually leads. So this is what we had: Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton top two, then Sainz and Russell top two, and now Leclerc is leading the session. It's, it's getting just ridiculous at this point. Only six hundredths ahead of Max Verstappen. And at this point, I was really thinking, you know what? Verstappen had a bit of a scrappy lap. Only six hundredths down. I really thought that he was going to be able to pull this off. Then the second runs come around, and he only bests Leclerc by two hundredths of a second. It's the smallest gap to pull this entire season. But the Mercedes came out later. They had... Both Russell and Lewis in contention for pole. And then Sergio Perez out of nowhere spins around the final corner. The yellows are waving. And just like that, quality was over. It even allowed signs um, on the very improving track. It happened. I feel like the effect of the um, track evolution was kind of less and less each session. In Q1, it was huge. And then in Q3, it wasn't as much. But still, it, it, was, it was definitely evident. Signs was able to get past Lewis so when it looked like mercedes may have been able to pull off a p3 and a p4 um they have to settle for p4 with lewis and p6 with russell he was even behind perez after the first runs and then he was not able to improve because of those yellow flags so unfortunate for mercedes definitely would have wanted to be higher up on the grid um out of track that you know they have a really good shot at you know maybe even fighting for the win so we get to the race day and mercedes is looking like they're on an opposite strategy they're starting on the mediums while the ferraris and the red bulls started on the softs um and at the start it was pretty straightforward i would say the mercedes both got worse starts um being on the probably less optimal tire for the start and honestly turn one gave me a heart attack because i really thought lewis was going to blow another chance um with a chance at like great points or even a win. With that move down the inside on Carlos Sainz, that was very aggressive. Clipped Sainz. Luckily, they were both able to continue. Russell actually lost a position to Norris, was quickly able to get it back. But not the greatest of starts for Mercedes. Um, And after a while, you know, the cars were kind of staying put. It looked like uh, the dag on the Ferrari was just ridiculous. Uh, They had to come in first. Verstappen was starting to pull away from Leclerc quite a bit. So they pulled the trigger with Sines, his first stop, absolute disaster. They only bring out three tires. It was over ten seconds. Perez actually stopped at the same time as Signs, and he got a mega pit stop. It was 2.0 seconds, I believe. Easily pulls in front of Science, because of course, even if Sines had a had a slow-ish stop, like a five second stop, Perez was going to be able to make that pass. But yeah, with 10 seconds, it's, it's free smoke (laughs) signs ends up behind some midfield cars. Um, so just an absolute disaster for him to start the race. Um, and Lewis and George, obviously they extend the Red Bulls and the Ferraris are all pitted at this point. They're one and two in the race. Um, and Lewis and George, eventually they come in, they strap on the hards, and they, the commentators I remember were thinking it was kind of like a Ferrari hungry situation that they're like, "What? They're going on the hard tire? They're just ruining their race here." And their pace on the hards was shocking to everyone. Both of them just start setting fastest laps after fastest laps. They're both uh, coming up on Sergio Perez very fast. Lewis catches Perez on lap thirty-seven is able to make a really nice pass around the outside, and he comes right into traffic right behind Sebastian Vettel. And I honestly thought Sergio Perez is going to take this place back because that was one of... The, Zandvoort is probably one of the hardest tracks on the grid to navigate um, when you're getting shown blue flags. It's narrow as hell, and he was in a very tricky spot. So I'm not harping on Vettel here, but honestly... I get it because he's on the fresh tires. He's going to see if he can stay ahead of the faster cars because that's going to benefit his race massively to not have to get out of the way um, and get lapped. But he, he really should have just, you know, understood that he didn't have the pace that day. It's just not going to be his day. If there's a safety car comes, he gets to unlap himself anyway. So just as he was coming out of the pits, he had an opportunity to just let them by and then slot in behind. Instead, he tries to, he he tries to stay ahead and see if he can get a gap on him. But Lewis was flying at this point, setting fastest laps. So I don't know how Vettel could have possibly thought that he was going to go faster. Obviously he doesn't have all the data that we see, but yeah, he was completely in the way that was, yeah, that was not good. I I don't want to see blue flags in the way like that. Um, Of course it, hurt the driver that I was cheering for and cost him 2 3 seconds at least um but yeah honestly I I don't want to see that with anyone like I don't care who it is that was really bad it it made for some entertainment I guess for sure because I really thought Perez was going to um go down the inside on that awesome banked left-hand corner that is That is the best part of of Zanfort, that left-hander, because of the lines that you can take. If you go up at the top, you can really carry the speed. It's such a cool corner. Um, But, yeah, I really thought Perez was going to make that move down the inside of that bank corner, but he doesn't. Lewis stays ahead, and Vettel eventually gets out of the way. But, yes, costs them both a ton of time. It allows George to get really close to Perez and pass him just a few laps later. And at this point of the race, it's Lewis and George chasing down the top two on their one-stop strategies uh george um is honestly very impressive Uh, other races that have been like this we didn't get to see it in silverstone so i guess hungary is really the only one that you can look to um even though george had kind of a different race to lewis because he was on pole and lewis was p7 it did really look like the race pace of george's just wasn't on the same level as lewis's but here it they were they were matching each other 100 percent both of them sharing fastest laps Um, and they are closing in and it's looking like they might have a shot here on the one-stop strategy according to Julian Palmer's analysis, um, F1 TV analyst and former racing driver himself raced with Renault not that long ago. Um, His race data shows just based on pace that Verstappen would have just barely beat Lewis and George and would have caught them with just four or so laps to go. And just quickly getting into this before i continue the race review toto said that basically that exact same thing um mercedes team principal Toto wolf of course that he would have caught verstappen that is caught the mercedes pairing with you know four six laps to go around there um but christian horner said that his simulation said that they that verstappen would have beat them by 15 seconds so I just thought that was interesting. Julian Palmer's analysis seemed to align more so with um, Toto's analysis, but I guess it's different because Mercedes seems to be so good on their tires compared to the other teams. I think they have to continue to use that to their advantage to try and get a win this year because it looks like that's the one thing on their car that they have a substantial advantage over Red Bull and Ferrari, especially Ferrari. So if they want to get P2 in the constructors, I think they definitely have to use that to their advantage. But anyway, all of a sudden on lap 45 of 72, some weird shenanigans goes on with uh, Alpha Tire and um, Sonoda here. Sonoda pulls over to the side of the track after a pit stop, claiming one of his tires isn't fitted right. Then a team radio says he's fine. Everyone's thinking it's going to be a safety car. Then all of a sudden he starts the car back up, makes it around the lap, pulls into the pits. Then they're playing around. Apparently it was with a seatbelt. They're tightening a seatbelt, maybe trying to find out what's going on too. I'm really not sure. I was so confused by what was going on. And at this point, he's two laps down now after having quite a solid race, uh, Yuki. Um, but then he comes out again and he almost immediately has to pull over. And this time it brings out the VSC. And of course, as a Mercedes fan, anyone who's just trying to maybe see anyone but Max Verstappen win for a change, because that's kind of how it's been, must have been upset because this benefited Max massively. Um, and honestly, I thought the whole thing just made Alfa look really bad. Um, that was very strange. I, I don't want to be that guy and it's just like, dude, you're two laps down, just retire because you know, things can change, but with two laps down, like, man, I was just thinking, I'm like, just stay in the pits. Like they obviously weren't aware of the issue. It was some like, um, differential issue they had. Yuki was talking about how his uh, rear just felt very strange. Um, but yeah, I, in hindsight, obviously they should have just retired, but it completely changed the complexion of the race. And I think, Again, just like in Silverstone, had it not been for Ocon pulling over, I honestly, like, yes, the the uh, safety car restart at Silverstone was fantastic, and we saw some of the best racing we've had all year. But like, it, like here, seeing it play out, just the regular race strategy with Mercedes versus Ferrari there and then Mercedes versus Verstappen here, I think that would have been very interesting as well. And both times we get robbed of seeing... Um, how it would have played out in the end. And I think this one was especially more interesting. Um, so I think we got robbed of that, unfortunately. But I personally haven't seen anyone claiming that this was some Alphatari Red Bull conspiracy to help out Max. But I just want to say as well, like, I've seen so many people comment, coming to come into the defense and saying that, like, oh, there's no way this is a, um, a conspiracy conspiracy to help out Max and yes I agree but I also haven't even seen anyone say anything about that because it's absolutely ridiculous but to the people that I haven't even seen make comments, you are an idiot if you think that Alvatari would help Red Bull when they're in this comfortable position of a championship because I think it was Matt Gallagher, Matt Gallagher of W2F1 who said this, if they were caught, Red Bull would be thrown out of the championship, the risk is just stupid, so yeah, just yeah. It, that that is just a stupid, stupid take. But anyway, I'm not going to spend time on that because I honestly haven't even seen anyone make that stupid take. So yeah, but shortly after the VSC, at this point, uh, it was still interesting. But I really think that like, Max had it in the bag at this point because he was probably going to win, even if the circumstances were without the VSC. The VSC just made it a slam dunk for him. Or shouldn't even say a slam dunk because what happened next made it a slam dunk. This just made it like a sure thing. <laughs> I don't know what the difference between a sure thing and a slam dunk is. But <laughs> Botas stopped on the main straight just shortly after the sa- virtual safety car restart. And as that happened, just quickly mentioning, signs makes a sketchy move on Ocon right past the stricken Alfa Romeo on the straight. The Yellow flags are waving. I'm surprised he got off scot-free for that even though he was ahead as the yellow flags came out. And that's why he got away with it, but like, just like have an eye, you know, like the, the Alfa Romeo is stopped on the track right there. I get you're a racing driver, you want to take that position when you have the chance, but sheesh, that was that was sketchy. But yeah, full safety car comes out for Bottas, makes for a very interesting scenario. Um, Verstappen is behind Russell and Hamilton at this point, the safety car has to come through the pits, um, and they had the opportunity, I believe, before the safety car was coming through the pits. Maybe they knew about it. I actually don't know that. So I think they had the opportunity to pit before the safety car came through the pits. I'm not sure what that would have changed. I feel like pitting while the safety car is going through the pits is definitely better. Um, but yeah, the Mercedes, um, because of a call made by George Russell, that, to be honest, is is somewhat of a selfish move. But I'm not knocking George at all. It's selfish is... Obviously viewed as a negative term to use when you're talking about someone. But it was absolutely the right call for his own race. And you can't you can't hate on it. I just think that if Mercedes was going to go all in on trying to win the race and take the gamble, they probably should have just called off George. However, splitting the strategy was definitely the demise of Lewis Hamilton in this race. Um, because before both of them pitted they would have had the tire disadvantage against max but double track position and they could have tried to use george in some sort of way to uh keep max behind i honestly think that would have been next to impossible and probably would have ended up hurting them more than what happened already it might have been a third and a fourth instead of a second and a fourth so of course getting ahead of myself uh max quickly is able to dispatch lewis hamilton at the start yes it was a bit of a mistake from hamilton i think to start so early um, because of the straight line speed advantage that red bull has and of course the tire warm-up but it i don't think it would have mattered uh had lewis stayed ahead it just would have delayed the inevitable um verstappen russell and leclerc all pass him eventually lewis settles for p4 as verstappen after he gets past Lewis, drives off to the di- off into the distance, takes the win at home again, followed by Russell and Leclerc who grab the last spot on the podium. So yeah, the final results were were that Max in P one, Russell P two, P three Leclerc. Uh, that's his first podium since his win in Spielberg. Lewis um, had to unfortunately settle for P4. Perez uh, slotted in in P5. He, he almost got overtaken by Alonso at the end. He had a brilliant drive up to P6 from P13 on the grid. Uh, Norris, P7. Signs down in P8 after he actually, I didn't even mention this, had an unsafe release um, when the safety car came through the pits. He gets a five-second penalty for that. That demoted him down to eighth. Ocon, P9. I feel like he probably felt he could have got more, but P9 still a decent, decent result. Um, and Stroll, after a great weekend, um, the whole way I think Stroll was fantastic. But unfortunately, just all faster cars ahead of him. Uh, he only picks up the one point for P10, and that is still his best result of the season. He's got like six of those and hasn't got a single better result. Very strange from Stroll, um, and I think just a tad bit unlucky as well, but it is what it is. Max Verstappen leads Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez by 109 points. Yes, there is a tie for P2 at the moment. And in a not so distant P4, George Russell, who admitted he has his sights on P2 in the championship. Wouldn't that be something? He is only 11 points back. Um, signs, he sits 13 points back from Russell in P5, while Hamilton is 30 points back from Russell. Norris is P7 with a 16-point lead to Ocon in P8. And closing in fast is Fernando Alonso, who for for a few races at the start was not even in the top 10. And he is now 7 points behind his teammate Esteban Ocon. Um, And then in P10 is Valtteri Bottas. Uh, He is kind of completely out of any fight higher than P10, but he's also got a healthy lead to anyone behind him. Um, And I honestly don't think anyone is going to challenge him for that P10. I think he's basically, him and Max are the only two guys in this championship, and I guess maybe Latifi, um, that have just their spots in the championship just absolutely locked. Um, Even with the Alpha's current terrible form, I don't even think Bottas has to score any points. He's probably got that P10 locked up in the constructors red bull leads ferrari by 135 points while the scuderia lose nine points to mercedes who were only 30 points back from them now alpine made another big gain on mclaren leading by 24 points alfa romeo Haas, and alvatari um, that is sixth seventh and eighth they all lose one point to aston martin and with um aston's improved form the battle for p6 in the championship continues to get more and more spicy I talked about that on a previous episode. I think that, besides the battle for P2, is probably the most interesting um, team battle yet to go on the grid. I think even the battle for P5 between Alpine and McLaren has dried up a little bit because it's basically a 2v1. Um, And then, of course, P10 Williams remained down there. Um, But I bet you they're looking forward to uh, their low drag car in Monza and potentially getting um, another points finish. Um, So, yeah, that'll do it. For the review, now it's time for my prize demise and surprise. All right, so who gets the prize for the Dutch Grand Prix? Max had a great drive, uh, but he's not earning my prize this time. I'm giving this one to Fernando Alonso. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've given a prize to Fernando Alonso yet this season. Um, uh, he made plenty of his moves on his way to P6. Almost caught a Red Bull in the end. I think that's very impressive, even though Sergio Perez has had shocking pace at points in this season, especially recently. Um, Yeah, and I just think Fernando has really staked his claim as the best driver currently in the midfield. I'm just thinking, man, Aston Martin has to be so happy that they get to employ someone as special as Fernando next year. What a resurgent season he has had. Um, And this is another one of his incredible performances that I have yet to reward on this pod. I felt that, you know... Lewis had a great race, um, but, of course, he got kind of shafted in the end. I could have gave this one to George Russell. I think he was fantastic, to be honest. Um, but I just I felt that, like, if, if I was going to give one to Fernando at any point in the season, this was the time. Uh, he was definitely up there. In fact, I, I usually kind of hate the driver ratings that F1 comes out with and, and even the race comes out with, and I love the race. But, man, sometimes the driver ratings, they just – I just don't understand them this time edge draw of the race gave Fernando Alonso his the best rating and I have to say I, I can't really dispute that one even more so than Max and Max did have a great race I just feel like even though Max was so on top of his teammate I don't think he had like the perfect race like he did in Belgium so yeah uh Fernando Alonso you get the prize you've definitely earned it man you've you probably could have won a few already this season, to be honest. But, um, yeah, you're getting it for the Dutch Grand Prix. The Demise. I think this one is an absolute clear-cut slam dunk of a demise. Carlos Sainz. Not only is it a demise given to him for his own performance, but is everything that happened to him as well. Holy smokers. Just no pace. Horrible Horrible on the tires, and I think that has a lot to do with his car. I'm not saying he doesn't know how to manage tires. But, jeez, everything went wrong for this guy this weekend. Just an absolute weekend to forget. The only thing that could have made it worse is his car blowing up, to be honest. Um, but speaking of that, he is tipped to start the Italian Grand Prix from the back of the grid as well. So I don't think this is the type of weekend you would want to go into one of the biggest home races of the season. Of course, Ferrari at Monza. And have to start from the back. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess as a driver, would you look forward to starting from the back, um, especially at a home race? I don't know. I feel like you actually might because starting from the back, especially in a car that's fast, yes, you have a lot of work to do. But I feel like it's also like kind of a fun challenge. I don't know. I guess uh, you gotta ask Carlos Sainz. But yeah, he he's gotta get the demise this weekend. Just. Yeah, the unsafe release, the bad pit stop, the the bad pace, the tired tired dag that he was reporting. Sergio Perez ran over his damn wheel gun. I mean, (laughs) yeah, just really, really bad weekend for signs. Um, Yeah, like I said, the only thing that could have gone worse for him this weekend was a DNF. He at least did grab four points for his P8 finish, but wow. Yeah, just shocking from him. And surprise, I'm staying on uh, the theme of Ferrari here. I'm going with how far off Ferrari was. Um, And I don't think this is technical directive related. Um, It's been two in a row since the return of the summer break. But Hungary was very odd. I feel like it was very kind of reminiscent of Hungary. Yes, Ferrari was able to get on the podium. But, you know, there's just no explanation as to why they weren't quick in Hungary and why they weren't quick at Zanvor. And... I really thought it was a one-off in Hungary, just something maybe that they screwed up with the setup. Um, But here, to kind of have the same similar outcome, just be not good on the tires and be not that quick on a track that should suit their car on paper is very concerning. And I think if they're not quick in Singapore, I'll be absolutely shocked. Like, clearly something is different with that car, if that becomes the case, because I think Singapore should be a track that they should do very well at Um, so yeah I thought they would bounce back here in Zandvoort but I just don't see that they're doing very well in Monza so hopefully Singapore is a track that they can maybe get back on the top step but yeah uh, they were definitely closer to Red Bull and very close to pole but I just didn't feel like they were in the race at all like Leclerc fell behind pretty early on in the race and Sainz of course was completely out of it so it was just Leclerc up there but yeah I I rate Leclerc, and it just feels like he's not been the same driver since he's kind of fallen out of the championship. And honestly, right after the French Grand Prix, after he spun out, he just hasn't been the same. Uh, But yeah, let's uh, talk about the championship. So this championship segment is, can George Russell take P2? I talked about this already, but now I'm going to go into it a little bit more in depth. Um... And I decided that I'd go further up the grid again for the championship segment after last time I talked about the P6 battle. And I just, the thought of this really fascinated me because, you know, at times both Leclerc and Perez seemed like they were the championship protagonists against Max Verstappen. Um, But if both of them were to fall behind Russell, who simply took P2 with consistency, I think that would just be so strange uh, looking at the standings when it's all said and done. Um, to see Russell in P2, like just looking back at the history books being like, oh wow. Like Russell was the guy who was against Max for most of the season. Like that, that's not the case at all yet. You know, on, on the history books, uh, on the leaderboards, it, it would look like that. Um, but we're here to discuss whether or not it is possible. And I think Perez has potential for a great race here in Italy, just like he had in Belgium. But beyond that, I've been, safe to say, less than impressed with him since his win back in Monaco. And as for Charles Leclerc, Ferrari's pace has concerned me a little bit, like I was kind of just mentioning. Reliability is still a question mark, with possibly another engine penalty still looming for them. And to be quite frank, if it came down to the end for P2 and the constructors between Ferrari and Mercedes, which team do you trust to capitalize on their strategy calls Um, and their pit stops and everything. I'm trusting Mercedes. I don't know about you guys. Um, That would seem very Ferrari to get down to the end battling with Mercedes and even bottle that too. So, yeah, I think Mercedes will definitely have a hard time this coming weekend, um, most likely. And on paper, they should probably lose out to Ferrari at Singapore. But at all the other places, you know, I think it's completely up in the air, and I see no reason why the Silver Arrows can't, you know, chip away at the lead held by the Scuderia. Um, I think they'll be very even on points most races, but if there's one team that's likely to blow up and give up a massive, um, give up a massive amount of points, it would be Ferrari. Um, and I think that's all it takes, possibly even a double DNF. I don't know. In fact, if I'd go that far to say Ferrari's is going to have another one of those this season, but. You know just one bad race um and the mercs can bring this cl- this fight really really close and possibly if mercedes is able to get that one win that'll be big for them as well um so yeah i'm kind of talking a lot about the constructors here because it is a similar gap i would say um the big thing for russell though is that he is matching lewis hamilton in my opinion because like i said at hungary i don't think his race pace was exceptional Um, whereas Zamvor, I think both Hamilton and Russell were blisteringly quick. And if Russell is able to keep that up and stay out of trouble, he's not going to lose out to Hamilton. Um, and Hamilton will also be able to take away points from Leclerc possibly. Um, so I'd have to say if I were to put money on who would finish P2 in the constructors on just, or sorry, P2 in the drivers, just on even odds, I would have to say it's probably going to be Leclerc, but... I don't think it's very far off for George. He is, he's right there. Um, one engine penalty and one DNF and George could have P2. So yeah, uh, gotta say guys, it's great to be back. My trips are all over. Uh, I get to watch Monza live. Normally not. I, I hate, hate coming home and having to watch the recorded, uh, race watching it live is just different. Um, yeah, the podcast will be back out on Monday, like normal next week. Um, And I'll finally be able to upload TikToks again. I haven't been able to do that. It's been a while for me. So, yeah, Break Bias is officially back, baby. Um, And, yeah, I'm so excited for the things that I have planned in the future. So that will do it for the Jean-Eric Verne episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 26 next week to review the final leg of the triple header at the Italian Grand Prix. Can Ferrari get it done at the home of the Tifosi? I can't wait to find out. Goodbye.